This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Change, Redefining Success, the podcast designed to inspire you and give you actionable information to enhance, up-level, reimagine, and reinvent your life and your livelihood. No matter where you started, where you are now, or where you've been, you too can lead an authentic, first-class life. Each week, new stories of turning points and transformation will help you define what success means to you so you can live your best life on your terms. Now here's your host, first-class life mentor and certified profiting from your passions coach, Kate Fessler. Welcome to Change, Redefining Success. I'm your host, Kate Fessler, and this week, my guest is Patty Jones. Patty is a dual career woman. She's a lead cost estimator for a government subcontractor by day who found her passion teaching yoga evenings and weekends. Patty specializes in working with beginning yogis who are looking to find movement and peace by learning to love and accept their bodies as they are instead of how society has told them they should be. This includes specializing in teaching yoga to plus-size women, aging women, and the health challenged, as well as addressing the challenge faced by many women, overcoming your inner critic. Patty found her purpose in the yoga studio, the commitment to practice, the progression of poses that came with that commitment, and the union of mind, body, and spirit bringing inner joy. She found encouragement in her introductory yoga classes, but quickly observed that the field was absent of others who looked like her, strong and curvy women who want to experience the benefits of yoga to support their own personal journey to wellness. Many women she met were intimidated by the image of a yoga studio, images created by societal belief, but not based in reality. Patty created a goal to make yoga more accessible and fun for those who spend too much time battling their own limiting beliefs. Patty traveled to Bali, Indonesia in 2017 for an intensive month of study to earn her 200-hour yoga teacher training certification and is registered with the Yoga Alliance as a registered yoga teacher. Patty continually seeks out additional training and modifications for plus-size women and learning alternate branches of yoga to better serve and assist those who need a little extra support in class. Patty holds a business degree from Western Governors University, serves on the board of directors for the domestic violence services of Benton and Franklin County, and together with her husband lives in Eastern Washington with her five children, two dogs, and three cats. Welcome, Patty. Hi, Kate. Thanks for having me on. Let's start at the beginning. You have a day job with a government subcontractor. What do you do? Um, for the last, well, Last eight years, I've been working as a subcontractor in Eastern Washington. Uh, I put cost estimates together for the government. Whenever there's a change to our contract, I tell them what it's going to cost us. A lot of spreadsheets, a lot of numbers, a lot of details. So what sort of government (laughs) agency? Is it a secret government agency? Um, In Eastern Washington, we're at the Hanford site. So it's uh, reporting to the Department of Energy. How did you get into that field? Well, I grew up in Richland, Washington, so uh, we moved here when I was 10, and pretty much everybody worked in Hanford. So, you know, I was raised with both parents working and kind of just fell into that, knowing that that's what I was going to do after college. Those who don't know, what's the history of Hanford? Hanford uh, was the home of the first um, 
nuclear reactor. We built the uh, bomb that was dropped on Nagasaki. Um, and I always get this one wrong. The fat man and the little boy, we did the, oh, I'm going to get it wrong. Um, we did the fat man, I believe. Uh, so we produced the plutonium and nuclear grade weapons. And now we are a full cleanup site. It's a very contaminated area of the country right now. So our main goal is cleanup, figuring out how to um, keep everybody safe and make the uh, the area a little, um, wow, uh, not so polluted, I guess, um, and not so dangerous to the environment and to the people around it. Yeah, I, I know. It's a place of continual tensions with the government over cleanup <laughs> and storage of the nuclear waste. Yes. The, the Secretary of the Department of Energy, which is in charge of all the nuclear programs in the country, among other things, famously said in his failed campaign for president that energy was one of the departments he wanted to eliminate. How do the folks in Hanford feel about that? And have you seen any evidence he's taking steps to do just that? Um, yeah, yeah, they took somebody who said they didn't want the Department of Energy and put him in charge of the Department of Energy. Uh, we're still dealing with our budget crunches and we're waiting on our, um, see what our funding level is going to be for the next year. Uh, you know, the cleanup of nuclear waste and the storage of it, it's not going away. So the government is going to have to fund it somehow. One there's, would hope. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's um, it's not going to go away. And they can't really hide behind the problem because, you know, we've got groundwater that's in danger if they don't do something about it. I imagine your job is pretty stressful. Is that what first led you to practice yoga? Um, actually, I got into yoga. I was, uh, I started yoga about eight years ago, right after my divorce. Uh, newly single mother, not much support, raising three children on my own. Had just re-entered the workforce for the first time after being a stay-at-home mom for eight years and was really, um, the divorce was ugly and it was bad and, you know, you, you kind of beat yourself up a lot about what's been going on and I found uh, the stress. I was putting on weight, I was unhappy and I was tired of being unhappy. But I also was at a point where, you know, I didn't have time to go to the gym. Well, let me restate that. I had time to go to the gym and I would get on the treadmill and I would spend the entire time there thinking about everything else I needed to do. Mm. And then I would get off the treadmill after seven or eight minutes because I thought this is stupid. I have so much else I need to be doing right now. But I found that if I committed to a class, I committed that hour. I booked out that time. I have to be in that class for an hour, you know, and I wasn't going to walk out because my mind was telling me other things to do. I wasn't going to embarrass myself that way. And I actually booked out the time to attend an hour class, but I, you know, kind of let myself go over the years. So, I really got into it because I needed something that was a little more gentle than hardcore cardio. I was dying in those classes. So I thought, well, let's try yoga. It looks easy and it looks slow. And it's a lot more challenging than that. But I never felt like I couldn't do it. It was always a progression. Do what you can and build up from there. And the first teacher I had, it said, if you can't progress to the next level. It's just because you haven't earned it yet. Keep showing up, keep sticking with it and earn it. And I loved that philosophy. So it wasn't about comparing myself to other people or not being able to keep up. It was me focusing on me. And that really helped me get through those first, that first rough patch of trying to adapt to my life. It really helped me believe in myself again. Hmm. 
Well, that sounds like good advice for just about anything. Keep showing <laughs> up, keep doing your best and you'll get there, right? Right. And it was, it was really, I had gotten to the point after, like I said, the divorce had been ugly and it had been ugly for years before we actually took the big steps to make the divorce happen. And I got to the point where I just didn't want to be unhappy anymore. You know, and I, when I, the divorce was finalized, I, I thought these last few years I've been unhappy and it sucks. And I kind of woke up one day and said, yeah, I'm not going to be unhappy anymore. And it, it, I don't know, for me, it was just that simple. It was a conscious choice. I'm not going to be unhappy anymore. And I realized that my life was only going to get better. I'd done all the hard stuff and now it was time to move forward. And yoga really helped me do that by helping me focus on myself and get inside my own head and learn just to push myself through. And that the, you know, the, the savasana at the end, that meditation point, you just go inward and your body recovers. And it really did teach me a lot about taking the time for me and helping myself recover. Well, practicing yoga is one thing. Teaching it is quite another. What made you decide to become a certified yoga instructor? <laughs> um, I was, I had hired a life coach because I really was, like I said, I was all about personal development and, and finding my path to happiness. And my job was really wearing on me. Um, I loved the people I worked with, but the job itself, I, I'm, <laughs> I hate saying this because it's my job, but numbers just weren't my thing and building spreadsheets and staring at a computer all day. It, I was raised to believe that's what people did. And I was so miserable doing it. And I couldn't believe that everybody around me was not miserable too. But they all looked fine and it was just me who was not happy. So I hired a life coach and I was doing a lot of personal work and personal development on myself. And, you know, like I said, learning to not be unhappy again and really love who I was. And I went to a conference and I had met um, a woman at a conference. And one of the first things she said to me was, and she said, what do you do? I said, oh, I'm a cost estimator for a government launched into my little, this is what I do. And she looked at me and she said, no, she said, if you could do anything else, what would you be doing right now? And I said, well, I'd be teaching yoga on a beach. And then I stopped and I like, just shocked. I couldn't believe it came out of my mouth. I went, I, I, I don't know where that came from. I just never, like, like I said, I'd been raised to believe I'd work in an office till the day I died. And the second I said it, it was like this wash came over my body and I went, oh my gosh, I'd be teaching yoga on a beach somewhere. <laughs> And this lady actually had, what, that I was talking to was from Orange County, lived on the beach. And so we ended up going to dinner that night and something about her, she just, she kept pu pushing me with questions. So tell me about this yoga class that you would, and she kind of over the course of dinner pushed me into what, okay, so tell me about what you'd be doing. And then she, you know, I formulated kind of a plan. And then when I got to talking about it and started verbalizing it, it just came so naturally to me and it was shocking. That all these, I went, oh, I'd be teaching yoga to overweight women. I'd be teaching them to love themselves. And I'd be, you know, all these things. And she kind of went, all right, I'll see you in a couple years on the beach. And um, so I set my goal. This was in October of 2016 and sat down on, on 2017 and said, okay, what's my big goal for the year? And I said, okay, I'm going to get certified to be a yoga instructor. So I called um, the studio that I practiced at right up the road. They did yoga teacher training. I sat down with the owner and she said, well, I have a class starting this weekend and it's eight weeks, Friday night, eight hours, Saturday, eight hours, Sunday for the next eight weeks. 
and I hate to say this because it sounds really silly in, in hindsight, but the Seahawks were in the playoffs yeah. and I couldn't commit <laughs> to four days of yoga during playoff season. And what if the Super, you know, I missed Super Bowl. And I, you know, I go, so I told her, I said, I, I'm just not sure I can commit to eight weekends in a row. And she goes, well, it's either that or you go to Bali with me in October. And I said, okay. So I went home and I, I thought about it overnight and I woke up the next morning and my husband said, so what did the yoga, you know, what did she, what did Julie say? And I said, well, she said, I need to go to Bali. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I'm going to go. And I, so I explained him the whole thing and he said, yeah, you should probably go. He goes, well, I was very supportive of him. You know, I, God love the man for all he puts up with, with me and my ideas. But he said, you know, make it work. He said, as long as you're taking this trip does not impact our household finances. We've got eight months to figure it out. So I called her up and said, okay, looks like I'm going to Bali. And then we started saving and yeah, executed a plan. Didn't, I took a month off of work. I went into my boss's office in February and I said, okay, I'm taking this month off. And she said, okay. And like, it never came up again. And in July, she came into my office one day and said, are you really taking the month off? And I said, yeah, I'm really going to take the month off. And I did. <laughs> did you tell her why? <laughs> Pardon? Did you tell her why you were taking the month off? Yes, I did. I said, I'm going, you know, and I told her all about it. And you, she's really supportive. She's awesome. You know, the whole group was really supportive. A tad bit of jealousy, but we made it work. We lined everything up, got my work covered for the month. And I took four weeks off and they handled it. And my world didn't fall apart and my children survived. And my house was still standing when I got back. It was pretty amazing. <laughs> Yeah, you know, a lot of people, you know, you're kind of articulating and it sounds silly when you say it out loud, but a lot of people do feel that way. It's like, oh my gosh, I could never take a month and go somewhere in a foreign country and learn something because what would my kids do without me? What would my husband do without me? What would my work do without me, right? What kind yeah. of irresponsible person does that? <laughs> uh, someone who's following her dream and it doesn't sound like you were very irresponsible at all. It sounds like but you had everything covered. <laughs> and you, that was like the most shocking thing to me. I, you know, I'm, I have gotten really good at life at setting goals and letting them go because other people were the priority and I made myself the priority this time. And, you know, I, I remember my mother called me up. She was going to be driving through town. She lives in Boise, was headed for Seattle. And she was, I'm going to be driving through town. I, I want to stop and talk to you about this yoga thing. And I thought, Oh, Oh, here it comes. Here comes the I'm so irresponsible and what am I thinking? And I sweated all day and dreaded my mother showing up and she walked in, she sat down and she goes, I've wanted to do yoga my whole life. Tell me all about it. And she was so wonderful about it, you know, and she fit that mold that I had shaped in my head of who do I want to teach to? My mother was that person, overweight, uh. kind of introverted, doesn't want to put herself out there and look stupid in a class. And I went, oh my gosh. I formulated the image of my mother in my mind, <laughs> mm -hmm. but it was, you know, it, it falls into that. You don't always know what people think and don't make assumptions because I sweated it all day dreading that talk from that lecture I was going to get from my mother. And nope, she was awesome. She was so supportive. Yeah, that's another very good point. 
because we do often think, oh, this person's going to think I'm crazy or this person's going to be <laughs> mad or or like the parents are going to lecture you about being irresponsible. And then it turns out that, you know, when you really do step into this is my dream and I'm going to do it. It's amazing how much support will come to you from places you might not expect it. Right. It, it's, it's It's been pretty incredible when I came up with the name chubby chick yoga I thought oh I can't use that it's just it's silly and it's really it's putting yourself out there it's identifying that yes I am chubby we all know I'm overweight but now I've identified myself that way and that was that was kind of a struggle for me I had a lot of trouble verbalizing it and I still I'm coming across people to this day um somebody I work with passed me in the hallway and said I love what you're doing saw me on Facebook she goes I just saw your your logo that is so awesome Yes, I love your logo too. Once you start verbalizing, it, it's it becomes real and it's 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 really big and it's really scary and it's really awesome at the same time. So would you mind describing what that program was like for you when you were over in Bali? I mean, mm -hmm. Bali, I'm sure, is a beautiful, beautiful place. Um oh. what what is what does it take to get a yoga certification? Two hundred hours. That's that's a lot of yoga in one month. 200 hours is a lot. It was um, full days, six days a week. We had Sundays off to explore the island. And it is, Bali is amazing. I mean, just, I left a piece of my heart there. A piece of my soul was still there. It was incredible. But we did, you know, two classes, two physical practices of yoga a day. Learning in between, you cover anatomy and physiology. You you do a whole hands-on adjustments, how to adjust people. Um, by the time you take yoga teacher training, you already know most of the poses because you've done yoga and are, you know, so it's not so much about learning the poses, it's about putting the names with it, learning the Sanskrit terms for each of them. Um, I think the hardest part was the two-a-days because Bali is also hot and humid and not very well air-conditioned. <laughs> mm -hmm. But in between, it's it's a lot of learning, and it's uh, it really does cover um, a full range of things from meditation to learning what your chakras are, and learning how to guide a class. You know, finding your voice. What does your voice sound like? You know, the the voice I use to lead a meeting, talking to people about nuclear waste, is not the voice I want to use <laughs> in a yoga studio. Um, but it is also about finding that voice, finding who you are, which is an incredible experience because as, as most people who do yoga know, no two teachers are exactly alike. And some you mm -hmm. click with, some you don't, and some are all about power poses and some are all about the touchy-feely woo-woo stuff. So it really does teach you a lot about yourself as you're teaching. And, and we work into teaching gradually in class. Um, we start off, like I said, the two-a-days, but then the two-a-days become people in the class, the students actually starting to teach portions by portions. So first you'd start off doing a pose and then a couple days later, you'll teach a quarter of a class and then a half a class. And then by the end, you're doing your final and you are teaching your own class. Did you have a plan when you took the certification course? Did you already know, have the idea that you wanted to open your own studio? Um, I had a concept. You know, I had already, I already had the concept of chubby chick yoga. I had already formulated who my ideal client was. I, you know, I knew who I wanted to work with. I knew what my purpose was to help people and find people. And um, what I didn't know was 
the solid business practices of it. I've never owned a business. I've never run a business. That's probably my largest learning curve. And I didn't necessarily want to teach in somebody else's studio. That much I knew. I didn't want to teach in somebody else's studio because I wanted to have control over my clientele and who I wanted to market to and who I wanted to teach to. Not that I want to exclude anybody, but you attract your customers and your clients based on yourself. And I didn't want somebody else dictating who myself was and what my teaching class was going to be like. You know, it's, it's six o'clock on a Tuesday and it's time for you to teach vinyasa to whoever walks in the door. Whereas I wanted to have a little bit more personal touch to it, put my own little, my, my personality to it. I wanted to attract my tribe, so to speak, the people who needed me. That's who I wanted to target. And I didn't feel like being in the confines of somebody else's studio. I could do that. The name of your studio is, as you mentioned, Chubby Chick Yoga. How did you land on that name? Did you consider other names? And what do you hope people think when they see it? Oh, gosh, you know, I I don't even remember how I stumbled upon it. But I said it once out loud. And I kind of, I think I like that. And I threw it out to a couple people in my uh, business coaching group. And they kind of went, I think you have to go with that. And I did the whole, well, let me think of other names and I'll give you some other examples. And, uh, you know, and, and nothing came close. It, it just fit from day one. Um, and I think I was just tossing out ideas to myself. What could I call myself that, you know, made it work? Um, and I'm sorry, I forgot the rest of the question already. <laughs> what do you hope people think when they see the name? I hope that it makes them feel warm and makes them feel welcome. That if you are chubby, if you know you're overweight, that you're not the only one. Um, I want it to also be very lighthearted. Um, I've kind of got a very outgoing personality. Um, I, I've been told I'm funny. <laughs> um, but I want to be able to, to people to, to know that, that it's a warm, welcoming place. And I think by putting the chubby chick out there, it's embracing who I am and hopefully helping others embrace who they are. So they see, oh, look, it's a nice, normal, average person who's not going to be trying to get me to do a handstand, who's not going to be trying to make me fit into whatever image that is, people have construed in their own mind of what a yoga instructor looks like. Um, I, you know, I really want my classes to be that. And if we laugh and have fun and have a great time, great. And there will, you know, there eventually as I grow are going to be classes that are going to be more grounded, more centered, more calming and quiet. But there's also going to be classes that are all, about, hey, what are we going to do today? Let's have some fun and let's get this going and let's all move and sway and flow. And if we fall over, eh, it happens so that people don't feel self-conscious when it does happen. I found that, you know, one of our biggest problems in a yoga class is people beginners especially get have trouble getting started because they don't want to look like the only one in the class who doesn't know what's going on and which what i've realized and it i really didn't realize until i started observing classes in preparation for my teacher training was everybody's worried about that even the person who you walk see come in who looks like the perfect yoga goddess is struggling in certain poses people struggle in poses everybody's got their challenges but you're so focused on yourself in yoga class that you think it's just you so I want to create an atmosphere. Well, it, it's not just you. And really, let's let's focus on you. Let's make you the special person for this hour. And let's see what you can do. And let's have some fun while we're doing it. There are lots of yoga studios. 
But as Sandra Yancey was saying in the Rise Summit just recently, there are riches in the niches. I would guess that Chubby Chick Yoga fills a certain niche in the yoga studio continuum. And I know you're welcoming to everyone, but are the people who are showing up who you expected? So far, yes. Um, you know, and I think part of the problem is, is that we as women society are constantly uh, have us in compare mode. I mean, magazines and Instagram, and we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people. So that while I'm not getting the exceptionally large women in my studio, the people that are showing up are the ones who are self-conscious, you know, and I would never call these women, oh, you know, overweight or exceptionally obese, but they're the people who feel that way. You know, it's, it's your inner fat girl. And that's, I'm not necessarily targeting somebody who, you know, is 300 pounds or heavier. I'm talking about the, the inner fat girl. We've all got one. We all have something we don't like about ourselves. And that is who I want to be talking to. L let's talk to that inner fat girl and let's find out why she's there and let's learn to love her because she's probably not going away. You know, mm -hmm. you see women all the time who lose weight, but never lose that image of themselves as the overweight woman. I want to teach women to embrace that. She's there. Just love her for who she is. She's really not going to go away. You might as well enjoy her company. <laughs> is this your, quote, retirement career, something you plan to ease out of your job job to do full time at some point? You know, I, yes. Yes, it is. Um, that sounded like you just decided that. <laughs> <laughs> because I've spent so much time denying it. You know, I'm never leaving this job. I, my job pays me really well. It really supports our lifestyle, you know, and I do love the people I work with. I, you know, I, I do love my job, but that being said, it's not my passion. So my passion is helping others and yoga. And if I can fuse that together and I don't see myself retiring from it, I want to be the 80 year old woman who is still going after it and still teaching women and still bringing out best in others. I just don't see retiring or stopping from that. I just see it growing and becoming bigger and better and more exciting. Well, it sounds like you have definitely found your calling. Do you, <laughs> do you wish you'd done this sooner? Um, you know, I, I don't, I really think everything in your life happens for a reason. Everything is a learning event. And I don't think I was the person 10 years ago that I am right now. And I don't think that I would have all the skills and all the life experience that I needed. I, I don't think I appreciated my skills as much 10 years ago. And I don't think at 25, you are the same person you are at 45. Um, not in a bad way. I loved me at 25. I loved me at 35. But they're all such different stages of your life that I think for what I'm looking to create, I think I need to be who I am right now. Being an entrepreneur, a business owner, is very different, as you alluded to earlier, than being an employee. What's the biggest obstacle in your mindset or belief system that you've had to overcome or maybe are still working to overcome? Uh, so work in progress. Um, my biggest battle is imposter syndrome. It's, mm. it's you know, and I think and from what I've read, <laughs> it's a very common experience. Um, I, you never feel like you're good enough. And you always have that, like I said, the inner critic that tells you you're not good enough. And how dare you think or dream this big 
And if you just stay in your little box, I'll keep you comfortable. Uh, life's not about being comfortable, but I spend a lot of time battling imposter syndrome, especially, you know, we really are only six months out of Bali. So I spend a lot of time, who am I to think I can do this? Can I really do this? Yes, I can really do this. And I talk to myself a lot, <laughs> a lot, um, a lot of pep talks because, you know, I, I, I see I'm a size 20 in the mirror. And there's this still this voice inside of me that says, really, you want to be a yoga teacher, you know, and my practice isn't always perfect. It's, it's like I talked about earlier. Everybody has their challenging poses. Um, I have learned a lot since I started studying um, and taking classes on teaching to plus size women about the restrictions that that comes with. When you have a little extra padding in places, there's certain poses you're not going to be able to do and how to modify those. And there are certain poses that certain people just can't do because of your body structure. You're either, you know, everybody has their own body shape and size. So I deal with that a lot in my own world that the more I learn, the better I become about it. But there's still that voice inside my head that says, you've been doing yoga long enough. You should be able to do this pose. So definitely, I think uh, the imposter syndrome sometimes gets the best of me. Mm. I interviewed... Um... Gosh, it's probably been about a year now. Um, uh, Dr. Valerie Young, who actually wrote a book on imposter syndrome. I don't know <laughs> if that's the one that you read, but if you haven't read it, I highly suggest that you do. It's an excellent book. <laughs> I'm going to go look and see if that's the one I read because I got that phrase from somewhere <laughs> and it made a lot of sense. Yeah, it's called like the secret thoughts of highly successful women or something like it doesn't have imposter syndrome in the title. So you may not have, but but that is what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> so you have dogs. Do you teach doga? <laughs> I have been to a doga class. Um, I specialize more in boga, the beer yoga. Um, <laughs> Tell me about that. What is beer yoga? <laughs> beer yoga is my favorite. <laughs> My husband's a home brewer, so uh, boga is fun. It's uh, There's a lot of microbreweries in this area, so it's really an up-and-coming. There's also wine yoga, and um, one of my friends is teaching goat yoga now. But I have yet to do puppy yoga, and the puppies really like when I do yoga at home, though. I spend a lot of time cleaning paw prints off my mat. <laughs> <laughs> so what has opening this business done for you? Oh, um, <laughs> it's certainly been challenging. Like I said, I, I never had an entrepreneur bone in my body. I thought I'd work for people my entire life. So um, it's been challenging learning how to set up and run a business. It's not really something that I learned in business school. Parts of it are. I knew how to incorporate myself. But when you're actually filling out that form, it's a totally different story. Um, but more importantly, it really has given me a sense of I can um, because I took the time to formulate a financial plan, I made it financially happen. I went to a foreign country where I didn't speak the language. I mean, I, I didn't speak a word of Indonesian. <laughs> I don't even know what they call the language. It's not bad. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's given me a whole level of self-confidence that I never knew I existed. Um, and I knew I could stand up in front of people. It was never, I, I knew I could do it because I, you know, I have to lead meetings at work, but finding that voice and 
actually getting up there and doing it and leading a yoga class gave me an, an incredible level of self-confidence that I didn't even know I had that, wow, I just did that. I told people what to do and they did it. It was crazy. <laughs> well, now that you have this business, what, how have you redefined success? What does success mean to you and your business? Um, you know, success for me, it isn't the financial gain. It is about waking up every day and I can't wait to do what I do. That to me is success. When you can't wait to get out of bed in the morning and go teach a yoga class or go not, I mean, even going to yoga myself is something, you know, now I get paid to do that. And that I, to make a living, well, hopefully I will get to a place where I'm making a living doing it, um, is successful. It is, it is being happy more than it is being safe or being financially secure. It is waking up every day and getting to do what I love. We're almost out of time. So I have to ask you, what is one book or resource that changed your life that you would recommend to people? One book, um, probably my absolute biggest impactful book was The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Mm -hmm. It changed everything, the, the don't take anything personally and don't make assumptions because I've always been really big, big, I've been really good at putting words in other people's heads or in other people's mouths coming out of my own head. Um, it changed everything. It changed how I looked and dealt with people and how I looked and dealt with myself. Mm-hmm. And look where it take where it took you. <laughs> it's fantastic. Patty Jones, owner of Chubby Chick Yoga in Richland, Washington. Thanks so much for sharing your story today. Hey, thanks for having me, Kate. This was fun. Do you feel like you're drowning in administrivia? Do you have a podcast you would like transcribed to repurpose as a blog or even a best-selling book? Rhonda's virtual office is the answer to the freedom you crave so you can get busy doing what you love. Let Rhonda's virtual office give you the relief you need. Visit rondasvirtualoffice.com and get some peace of mind today. Rhonda's virtual office is the go-to transcription service for EWN Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. Back now with your host, Kate Fessler. Welcome back. You are listening to Change, Redefining Success. I am Kate Fessler. So much of Patty's story is common among many of us who have a calling in life. The feeling of unhappiness when everyone else around us seems to be fine. The feeling that there must be something wrong with us and trying to talk ourselves out of wanting more. Having to make a conscious choice to be happy, to find out what more there might be for us in life. The surprise and delight of finding our passion and then navigating what it takes to make that a reality while also navigating what we think others will say or think about our choices and what consequences that might bring. But in the end, we discover that dreams do come true if we take action to make them happen. If you're in that space of wanting to make a change or wanting to make the choice to be happy and to explore what that looks like for you, I'm here to help. I have a limited number of openings for new clients, whether it's a profiting from your passions consultation, a one-hour artful insight problem-solving session, a VIP day, or a longer coaching program. Let's talk about the right next step for you. 
Send me an email to firstclasslife at outlook.com and we'll set up a time for a complimentary strategy session. Your dream life is waiting. Is it time for you to step up to it? If you have something to add to the conversation, please leave a message on my Facebook page, First Class Life Solutions. If you have a great transformation story and you'd like to share it with my audience, please click on the link at the bottom of the show page and fill out the survey. If it seems like a good fit, I'll be in touch. If you enjoy this podcast, please give it a rating on whatever platform you listen, and please share it with your friends. Remember, you can find links to previous podcasts as well as the recommendations of my guests on my website, firstclasslifesolutions.com. Please join me next week for another inspiring story of turning turmoil to transformation. Until then, cheers to your authentic first-class life. I'm Kate Fessler. Thanks for listening to Change, Redefining Success. is the EWN Podcast Network. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN Podcast hosts at ewnpodcastnetwork.com.